But again, you don't hear much. I mean, we won't know until probably the draw comes out. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Tennis Talk, and we have some results to go through. The eight, uh, so the WTA have just finished their first tournament back, and we have two more tournaments coming up on the WTA. Of course, the ATP doesn't start up until Cincinnati in a couple of weeks, which is being played in New York, which is a little bit weird to get your head around, but we will do that when that comes out in the next two weeks. Two tournaments to go through today. We've got three stories we're going to go through as well, and also your questions at the very end. So let's get straight to the past results before we get anywhere. Okay, so the result that is in for this week, the Palermo Open 2020. Ferro beats Contavit, the number four seed, 6-2-7-5. So there's the first result of the restart of the tour. On clay, of course, you can see there, Ferro winning her second WTA title as well, so good for her, good restart for her, and there was a lot of upsets in that tournament. You know, we had Martic, we had Sakari in that tournament, they all lost, and an unseeded player winning the first tournament back. Are we going to see more of the same next week? We'll have to wait and see, because they've got, we've got some big names in the next two, uh, two tournaments coming up this week in America and in Europe, so... Is this the start of something that might happen throughout the next couple of weeks? You know, we've got big tournaments coming up. Upset's going to happen. Are we going to get unseeded players winning more tournaments? We'll have to wait and see with that. All right, so there's the first result. It's so good to be back with that as well. I'm, I'm so excited that we've got proper matches. Rankings that get updated. We've got some changes in the rankings as well. If you want to look down below on the YouTube video here, uh, the WTA rankings are updated. There have been some top 20 spots uh, changing as well, which is interesting. Let's go straight to the first news story. And Serena will play. She says she's playing the US Open. She's the only person, I think, in the top 10 for the men and the women that is 100% confirmed. Everyone else is, you know, on a list like we went through last week. And, of course, Nadal pulled out. Uh, we talked about that early last week as well. But Serena's the only one who is 100% playing the US Open. And she said that she's going to go and play as many tournaments as she can as long as they're on. So she's uh, brought out during the week. She said that she is going to play the French Open if it does happen. She's got a million masks, so she's ready to go if she, uh, she has to travel overseas to Europe, of course, and, and things like that. Uh, but she is, uh, yeah, she's planning on playing it, but she doesn't quite know if they're going to be on yet, because we don't know if everything's going to be happening yet. Uh, it's, you know, Madrid just got, kind of fell apart, uh, you know, in Spain, of course, and then you've got Rome. I don't know what's going on with that. She doesn't know what's going on with that. And then, of course, the French Open was going to have fans. I don't know if that's still happening. We'll find out in the next few weeks. But Serena said she will play every single tournament uh, that she can. And that she can get to, especially these big ones, you know, they're, they're big tournaments, the ones that are uh, happening over in Europe, of course, the French Open being the biggest one. And she's the only person that's saying, I'm playing in the US Open. If it's on, I'm playing. So great to see that Serena, who usually has a little bit of a, you know, a shorter schedule throughout the years in her, you know, she's almost 40. She usually has a bit of a refined schedule, doesn't play every single week, doesn't play every massive tournament. She plays the majors, but she doesn't play like the WTA finals last year. She didn't play those. She qualified, uh, you know, but didn't play. Uh, but yeah, so she is she is confirmed that she's going to play as many tournaments as she possibly can. And uh, that's great to see because, you know, she's probably she's not the number one in the world in the women's, but she's one of the biggest stars, possibly the biggest star. Uh, of the WTA, so great to see she's committed to play 
as many tournaments that are going to happen. Let's go to the second story now. Second story is about Nick Kyrgios. So we know that Nick Kyrgios pulled out of the U.S. Open. He brought out that statement, of course, uh, last week, talking about how you know some players were doing the right thing, some players were not doing the right thing. Everyone can do what they want to do, but I'm staying home. I'm not going to America. He's come out during the week as well with a uh, with an Australian TV show or it's Australian um, morning show, and has said I'm probably not going to play for the rest of the year. So. He's kind of he's ruled himself out of the French Open, and again, no surprise. I mean, he said last year the French Open sucks. He hates playing on clay. We all know that, and he's not going to play. He said he's not going to play for the rest of the year. Uh, he doesn't have any. He doesn't hold anything against anybody else playing these tournaments. But he said I'm not going to play the rest of the year. I'm not going to. You know, if it's not safe, I'm not leaving my family. He wants to stay home with his family, which we all know uh, for Australian players especially is hard to do throughout the year. Uh, throughout the year. Because the Australian Open in January, after that, you're flying all around the world for 10 months. So uh, he wants to stay home with his family, you know, do some training, of course. But looking at the schedule, he pulled out of the US Open. He doesn't like playing on the clay, so he's not going to go to the French Open, most likely. And then there's tournaments that are happening on and off throughout the year. Some may be in Russia. They haven't been confirmed. Of course, the Asian swing's been cancelled, so he's not going there. And he's probably not going to qualify for London, so... I think we won't see him for the rest of the year now because why would he go for, to Europe to play one match and potentially lose that match in the first round of the French? There's no point, you know, there's no point for him. So I see where he's coming from, but he's kind of hinted that 2020 is going to be a write-off for him. And he's been the one who's come out the, with the most criticism of players who have played and gotten sick or played, uh, you know, or kind of not taken this very seriously. So it's great to see that he's not being a hypocrite and deciding, oh, well, I, you know, you guys shouldn't play, but I'm going to play. So he's sticking to his guns. He's not playing, and uh, he's going to rule out the whole of 2020, it looks like, as well. So um, it'll be interesting how he goes at the start of next year because the Australian Open's still not 100% clear if that's happening because Melbourne's in a little bit of a tough spot right now. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if Kyrgios does come back uh, at the start of next year or if, you know, we might not see him until... Wimbledon next year, who knows? We don't know when he's coming back. But uh, it's good to see that he's not being a hypocrite. He's sticking to his guns and he's doing, uh, you know, he's criticized a lot of players, but he's not being a hypocrite about it. All right, let's go to the last story of the week. And the last story is about more players are out of the US Open. So you can see here, Stan Vavrinka, he's confirmed to be not playing as well at the US Open. Which I think is a bit of a shame. I think he could have done uh, he could have done some crazy things at the US Open, considering how you know, small the, uh, the the talent pool is. We don't know 100% who's playing, but we know there's a lot of names that are not playing, and there's a big names playing. We'll go through that list in a second, but um, it's a shame. Varenka pulled out during the week. Of course, we have uh, Barty's already gone. Nadal pulled out as well during the week. Kyrgios said he's not playing. Um, so big, big names, uh, big, you know, rankings as well, you know, with the world number one for the women not playing. Potentially, number two is not playing as well. We'll talk about that in a sec. But um, yeah, Stan pulled out. He's been training on clay, so I'm not shocked that he pulled out. But remember last year, he beat Djokovic in the, at the US Open. Uh, lost to Medvedev, I think, in the end, in the quarterfinals. But yeah, Stan could have you know, he could have done something here because, of course, Djokovic is the highest-ranked player that is on the list. But you know, we'll see what other, we'll see who else pulls out as well because there are some players that are 50-50, uh, and Djokovic seems to be one of those. But at the moment, confirmed players not playing for the men and the women's. Nadal, Federer, of course, out with injury. Monfils is not playing. I 
still not 100% if it's injury or if it's because of the virus. Uh, Kyrgios and Vavrinka, they're the biggest names. Of course, there's a lot of other names not playing, but they're the biggest names uh, for the men. And the big names for the women, these are all top 10 players as well. Barty's confirmed not playing. Svetolina confirmed not playing. Burton's confirmed, uh, I think, unlikely to play. And Halep seems not to be playing as well. She's she's playing this week on a clay court. So she seems like she's out as well. So that's the number one, the number two, and then two more top 10 players not playing. Serena's the only person confirmed for the WTA to be playing. Uh, Andrescu, the defending champion, I think she said maybe, maybe not. Who knows? I think Osaka might be committed. But again, you don't hear much. I mean, we won't know until probably the draw comes out. Uh, but yeah, so we've got huge names out. I mean, Nadal, Federer, of course. We're ne- we weren't going to see Federer anyway, but Nadal, he was on the list, but then he came out and said, I'm not playing. Uh, Barty, Halep, huge names for the women. So US Open's going to look a hell of a lot different this year, and I think it's actually the first time in over 20 years that we're not going to get a slam with either Federer or Nadal. This hasn't happened since the 90s. So this is going to be the first major, if it happens, where we're not going to see either Federer or Nadal in the draw. Uh, we, of course, have Djokovic in the draw but at the moment. But, um, yeah, it's, it's a huge, huge thing. We haven't seen this for since 1999. So um, really interesting to see. And, of course, Nadal wasn't... You know, wasn't on the main tour in 1999, uh, so Federer didn't play a tournament there in uh, in that year. But yeah, first time in 20 years, which is insane. All right, if I missed any stories during the week, make sure that you write them down in the comments below. There haven't been too many stories. It's mainly on-court stories, which is nice because we've had so much off-court drama over the last six months uh, to talk about. It's nice to actually talk about some tennis for some, you know, some results for once. And we have two tournaments coming up this week. So we are going to go through the Top Seed Open and also the tournament in Prague, the Prague Open, which is one's been played on a hard court in America, one's been played on a clay court in Europe. So let's get started with the first tournament, which is going to be the Top Seed Open. So the Top Seed Open, uh, a lot of big names here. A lot of big names. Very keen to watch this one. Only one player's pulled out, though, and um, that's Muguruza, so the, defend- uh, the Australian Open finalist. She's pulled out. Uh, of course, I don't know if she's, it's because she can't come over from Spain or uh, can't come from Europe to America, or maybe she's not playing the US Open, so why go to America? But she has confirmed that she is not going to play. So this is where things get interesting because we have, like I said, huge names. So let's get straight to the draw. Okay, so here is the top half of the draw. There's no defending champion because this actually was a, a challenger event on the ATP, and I think the WTA it was a lower tier event. This wasn't a, 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 a main tour event, so there is no defending champion. Um, and it's, of course, in Kentucky as well, this top seed open. Serena Williams, the number one seed. I'm very excited to see Serena back. I can't wait. We're going to probably watch her if she does well at this tournament as well, because uh, towards the end of the week, semifinals and finals, we might watch her as well. Uh, she versus Pera in the first round, another American. And the winner of that, look at this, a massive blockbuster match in the second tournament back. We've got Williams versus Azarenka in a first round. The winner of that gets to play against Serena. So Venus versus Azarenka. And then the winner plays possibly Serena. So we've got huge matches to start off this tournament. Ridiculous names. Grand Slam champions going up against each other in the first round and potentially the second round. Uh, then you've got Rogers versus Doi. Then you've got the number seven seed, Stevens, versus a qualifier. So Sloane Stevens, uh, she could potentially play Serena, Venus, or Azarenka. 
in the quarterfinals, which again, that's a huge matchup this early on in a tournament that's kind of small, uh, but you know, stacked with names. You got the number four seed, Anisimova versus Bellis. The winner of that will play the winner of Zvonareva and Pagula, which uh, Zvonareva, you don't really hear much of her these days. She used to be pretty prevalent around the 2010s, uh, and in the 2000s, she was uh, she was a really good player. So I don't know if she's coming back. I'm not sure what her story is, but she seems to be coming up in wild. She's got a wild card here, and she seems to be coming back a little bit into the tour. Uh, then you've got Tishman versus a qualifier. The winner of that will play either Tom Lianovic or the number five seed, Putin Seva. So that's another good matchup, that first round there with Tom Lianovic playing a couple of American uh, exhibition tournaments over the last couple of months. So we'll see how she can convert that into some main uh, main draw and main tour success. Let's go now to the second half of the draw. You've got the number six seed up the top there, Linnet versus Davis. Then you've got Brady versus Heather Watson. Uh, then in, uh, the winner of that will play either the number six seed or Davis. Then you've got Blinkova versus you know, Qualifier. The winner of that will either verse Buzkova or number three seed, Joe Conta, who... I think she played the Battle of the Brits. So I can't remember. I'm pretty sure she has. Uh, she played Battle of the Brits. But she's gone. This is a crazy story from Conta. She has gone from Europe. I think she went to Chicago. She drove down to Kentucky. And she's going to drive to America. To, sorry, to the New York um, Cincinnati tournament. So she's going to drive over there. She's saying that she's going to drive around rather than go to the airports because there's less people. Smart move. So she's road tripping it around America to get to these tournaments. So crazy to see the commitment from Conta. But great to see as well. Hopefully it doesn't affect her tennis. Uh, you've got Jabur, uh, the number eight seed, versus McNally. Of course, one of those rising stars in America. She, she was a uh, doubles partner with Coco Goff as well. We've got to uh, remember that. She's one of those 18, 19-year-old, uh, she might be even 17, um, coming up through, uh, through the ranks. So she gets a wild card. You've got two qualifiers playing each other. And then speaking of Goff, she gets a qualifier in the first round, which is good to see. It's, I'm going to be interested to see how she does because, remember this time last year, she was the biggest name on the WTA. She was, you know, she played really well at Wimbledon. She was going to the US Open. She was, you know, playing really, really well. So we'll have to wait and see if she can actually, you know, she's been pretty prevalent over the last six months for off-court reasons, of course, uh, with the Black Lives Matter and stuff like that. She's been, you know, obviously a really big advocate for that, so... Um, yeah, she she um, she's been in the news, you know, this last six months. But her results this time last year were really what catapulted her into the spotlight. So we'll see how she does. And if she wins, she will play the winner of Brengle or the number two seed Sabalenka. So that is not an easy first or second round match potentially for Goff. Sabalenka's a beast, and she can play very well. I think she was playing really well towards the end of last year. Sabalenka, um, I think she won the Elite Trophy for the finals. Uh, over for the um, second tier finals last year. She played pretty well in the Asian swing as well. So Sabalenka versus Goff. Second round match would be huge to see that. So some massive matches coming up over the next couple of weeks. Uh, over the next week, sorry. And I can't wait. I can't wait to see Serena. I can't wait to see Sabalenka. And like I said, there are some massive matches first round. You've got Williams versus Azarenka, and the winner of that gets to play against Serena, potentially. So there are huge matches going on. We may, we may watch this, so make sure you let me down in the comments below. Do you want to watch any of these players? I'm keen to just watch Serena. Maybe not, we might do it on the show. Who knows? We might do a live show, but if not, I'm just going to watch it uh, anyway because I, I just want to see how she does because I think that her record-breaking slam could be 
at the US Open, it's the best opportunity. I mean, half of the good players are not playing. You know, half of the top 10 are not playing at the moment. So it's her best chance, I think. So she needs to come out, you know, swinging in this tournament to really prove and just kind of, you know, throw down the gauntlet of, I'm going to win the US Open and get that record while I have this good opportunity here. All right, let's go to the second tournament now. So the second tournament of the week is the Prague Open, of course, being played on clay in Prague. Big names out this one because a lot of the players that were supposed to play this event played last week and lost early. So maybe there was a little bit of a travel issue. I don't know, but they didn't go to Prague. And Bencic is out, which is a huge name. You got Vekic, Sakari, and Rybakina who are out of this tournament. Uh, defending champ is uh, Tishman, who is playing in uh, in the top seed open. So she's not going to be playing to defend her title in this one. But yeah, huge names out there, which is a bit of a shame. You know, Bencic, top 10, you've got Vekic, Sakari, great players, and Rybakina, who started the year off on fire. So uh, big outs there, but we still have some big names. So let's go to the top of the draw. All right, the top of the draw, look at that. Simona Halep, the number one seed. She's the number two in the world. She said that she's probably not going to play the US Open, so why not play on clay and work towards that French Open? And uh, it's probably her best chance. She's probably got a better chance at the French Open than the, uh, than the US Open, in my opinion. She gets her cog in the first round, so not an easy first round. Uh, the winner of that will play either Krychikova, I hope I pronounced that right, a wild card from the Czech Republic, uh, and Teague, so we'll see how that plays out. Uh, then you've got Sevastova versus a qualifier, the winner of that versus Rus, or the number six seed, Pavlichenkova, who actually won the UTS tournament a couple of weeks ago on the hard court. So uh, she's in a little bit of form. She played against some really good players in that tournament, and she beat them all. So she was the first female UTS winner, and uh, she's going to have to try and convert that onto the clay courts and see how she can continue. Number four seed, Yastremska, who played last week, so she's looking to get a little bit better result this week. She versus Bagu in the first round. Uh, then you've got Bolsova versus Ferro, who played last week uh, and won last week. So she's in red-hot form. I mean, Yastremska versus Ferro in that second round would be a huge matchup, especially because Yastremska started the year off pretty well, and uh, of course, you know, had to stop because of the break. But she has a she's a massive talent. And then Ferro, who's the you know the most informed player at the moment because she's the only one who's won a title since we started. So uh, that'll be a huge match. Uh, then you got Sigmund versus a qualifier. The winner of that will either versus Tormo or the number seven seed Strikova. So uh, another good couple of matches there as well. Let's go to the second half of the draw. Up the top there, you've got Kudametova. I think I pronounced that right. Number eight seed versus. Wild card, Ginny Bouchard, who's back in action. Interesting to see that she's gone over to the clay court. She's not playing in America, which, uh, you know, you would have thought maybe she was going to play in America. I think she's she might be unconfirmed to play the US Open, or she might be out. So maybe she's focusing on the clay. Uh, the winner of that will either versus Zedin, Zedinsak or uh, Sinia Kova. Another couple of tough names. So uh, that would be interesting to see how that plays out. You've got Georgie, who played really well last week. Uh, up against a qualifier. Georgie actually, I think, made the semi-finals last week of Palermo. So she's in a little bit of form. You've got Mertens, the number three seed, versus Paulini. The winner of that will probably play Georgie in the second round. Uh, number five seed, Alexandrova, has a qualifier in the first round. The winner of that will play the winner of Bogdan and a qualifier. So another probably a good start there for the number five seed. Uh, Pushkova. Not the main Pliskova, the sister of Pliskova, the twin sister. She's in action. She's playing a wild card uh, from the Czech Republic as well. Uh, Forvetova. Again, I hope I pronounced that right. Uh, the winner of that match 
will play either Gracheva uh, or the number two seed Martik, who also played last week. Probably wants to do a little bit better this week. She was the number one seed last week and didn't really perform. Uh, I think she might have made the quarterfinals or semifinals last week, so she's looking to do one better here. But again, there are some huge names in this one. There's some great first-round matchups, just like in the top seed open. So again, we might watch this tournament if you guys want. So let us know down below. No, Simona Halep in action. Huge name, of course. Probably one of the favorites for the French Open. I can't wait to watch her. I'll be watching her anyway. So let me know in the comments down below if you want us to do a live show, maybe with Halep. Martik is in there, of course. And there's a bunch of other names that are really, really interested to see, especially the clay quarters, because, of course, there's a lot of players who are going to play the US Open. Some of the clay quarters are going to play the US Open, but um, the ones that are probably going to be the better at the French Open, I would expect, would be the ones who are playing clay tournaments now and skipping the US Open. So, you know, players like Halep, obviously Martik, who played last week as well. And then you've got Ferro, who, who won last week. So let's see how she does in this tournament as well. So let me know in the comments down below if you want to watch any of those players. Uh, like I said, Halep's probably the highest one on my list. She's the highest uh, player uh, in this restart. She's, you know, number two in the world. So we haven't seen a top 10 player in the last, you know, in the last week's tournament, and this week we've got a couple of them. So uh, very keen to see how they're playing, especially leading into the French and the US Opens. Okay, so that is the draw previews for the week. Let us know who you want to watch, if you want to watch anybody. Let us know who, who you think is going to win, because like I said in the very start of the show, Pharaoh come out of nowhere and won that unseeded last week in Palermo. Are we going to get a lot of upsets this week? Do you think Serena's going to do well? Do you think she's going to fail early? Do you think Halep can do well, or do you think she's going to lose? Let me know in the comments down below, because very interested to see who you think might win, uh, especially because some of these exhibition tournaments over the last couple of months, a lot of the women haven't been playing them. So uh, again, let me know in the comments down below who you think is going to win. All right, let's go to your questions now. So every week we put out on the community tab on the YouTube channel, what uh, what questions you guys have for the show? And we got some interesting ones today. Very interested to see how uh, how these ones get answered because uh, there were there were some different questions. Nothing really to do with the main tour too much. Uh, something some to do with the major. So let's go to the first question. All right. So the first question is from Paul. Thanks, Paul, for the question. Will Canada be a greater tennis nation than Australia? So I'm a little bit biased because I'm from Australia. Um, the problem I'm seeing, though, is that Canada have got three really good players. They've had great players throughout the years, but the history isn't there yet. You know, Shapovalov, we've got uh, Andrescu at the moment, and also Ojeel Yassim, the biggest uh, stars in Canada, uh, Canadian tennis. Obviously, you've got Ryonich, Bouchard, who are floating around as well. Uh, you've had some good doubles players as well, Have uh, Canada, that is. But comparing it to Australia's tennis history... It's, you can't compare. I mean, tennis in Australia is one of the biggest sports, and it's been that for, you know, the best part of 50 to 100 years. Uh, some of the best players of all time are from Australia. So I think Canada's got a little bit way to go. Maybe in, you know, 20 to 30 years, uh, Canada can grow a little bit of their own history. But if you're going to compare Canada to Australia now, who has a better set of players? It's pretty even. You've got Barty, who's the best player for the women, Against Andrescu, that's a tough matchup. And then Chapo and Ojeli Asim against guys like Diminor and Kyrgios. I mean, if you were going to play some sort of a, a Fed Cup, Davis Cup mixed event, 
and you had those players playing each other, I mean, I don't know who would win. It's pretty pretty close. So I think at the moment, Canada might have the edge over Australia if they were going to go head-to-head against each player. And then you've got, like, you know, like I said, Ryanic and other players floating around as well. So Canada's in a good spot at the moment, but overall, are they a better tennis nation as Australia? They just don't have the history. So it's, you know, and they also, they don't have enough tournaments, I don't think. Australia get, you know, January. So maybe the more Canadian tennis grows, maybe the more they will get more tournaments, especially during the US Open series. But uh, yeah, I think if you're putting them head-to-head today, it'd be pretty close. But overall, I mean, Australia's just got too much history to, you know, to go off and uh, to, to call it a better tennis nation. All right, let's go to the second question now. All right, this is a great question from Kegels Bagels. Which city in America do you think should host an ATP 250 event? I had to do a little bit of research for this because I didn't know what tournaments in the ATP 250 range were played in America. I know there was a lot of tournaments. You've got two, uh, you know, you've got uh, Cincinnati, of course, you've got the US Open. There's some huge tournaments in America, Indian Wells, Miami. But I wasn't quite sure who, uh, what tournaments were ATP 250s. So the ATP 250s that America has at the moment, Delray Beach, Houston, Newport, Atlanta, and Winston-Salem. Now, Houston's a pretty big city, but I think there should be tournaments played maybe in Boston. Chicago might be a place you would want to play some tennis. And also Vegas. I mean, the Andre Agassi Academy's there, right? So why wouldn't you want to play some tennis in Vegas as well? And the weather's pretty good over there. So I think there's potential to get some smaller ranked, you know, smaller tournaments in cities like Chicago, Boston, and, you know, Las Vegas. I mean, why not put it in Vegas where there's some of the best sporting events in the world in Vegas? You've got, you know, a lot of teams in other sports are seemingly going to Vegas as a new center uh, for a sporting team. So, yeah, I mean, why not? Get a tennis tournament there. I don't know if the ATP uh, and the WTA have smaller events, but the ATP don't have any main events in Vegas. So Vegas, Chicago, again, is another massive city that I think could really do well with a, uh, with a tennis. I mean, the weather's not great for half the year, but if you can time it right, maybe Chicago. Uh, and then Boston, I think, is a great city that could host something as well. So uh, there is some potential there, but uh, you know they've got, they've got some pretty good tournaments as it is. But if you're going to expand with the ATP 250s, Why not chuck those three cities in? All right, let's go to the third question now. All right, third question is from All Things Tennis, so appreciate it. We've got, uh, what do you think, sorry, what do you like about each of the four majors? So that's a great question. I had to really think about this. I've been to the Australian Open, of course, because it's an hour away. So I've been there a lot of times. Uh, I'll try not to be, you know, I'll try and pick out the best thing from that. Uh, it's kind of hard to say. But also, uh, I've been to Wimbledon as well. So, um, yeah, I haven't been to all four majors, so I'm going to have to go off what I've seen on TV for the other two, but I can give a little bit of an insight into the uh, two that I've been to. So with the Australian Open, I think the best thing about the Australian Open, and from what I can hear from other people who have been to the Australian Open, is what they actually do around the ground. So, Uh, The festivities, it feels like it's more of a festival for two weeks than a tennis tournament. It started off as, you know, a tennis event and only tennis fans went. But I went this year and there are a lot of people there that are not there to watch the tennis. You've got uh, around the grounds, you've got activities for kids and you've got, you know, uh, all these different, uh, obviously the clothing brands and they've all got these marquees everywhere. You've got beer gardens, you've got live performers, 
Uh, it's almost like you know a music concert as well. Uh, every night they've got different you know bands playing. It just is way more than just the tennis. So that's what I think it really is, is really good about it is that it breaks records every year. It's on a huge compared to Wimbledon especially. It's on a huge area. Uh, where they just spread out even more every year. And it's in the heart of the city as well. The location is so close to the middle of the city. So, um, yeah, that, that's what I think about the Australian Open. My favorite thing is about uh, is, is the fact that it's so uh, it's so big and there's so much to do there. So you go for you can't even just go for one day anymore. You have to go for two or three to make the most of it. The French Open, I haven't been to the French Open yet. I'm planning to go eventually. Uh, but I love um, I love the long matches, and they just seem like a five-set at the five-set match of the French just seems way more grueling than a- any other tournament. I mean, you've got the clay courts, uh, obviously, of, of Roland Garros being a bit way, way more slower than most tournaments. But some of the most grueling matches, you know, five, six-hour matches, of course, you get those, uh, you know, on other tournaments. But it seems like every year the French Open just have these long matches that are really, really uh, intense, and they're really, you know, um, especially obviously on the men's and the women's as well. The women's matches are pretty intense as well. But being the you know the long rallies on the clay, and it just everything just seems to be way longer and way more intense on those clay courts. Uh, and also, they're the only tournament that still do the um, you got to win by two games in the in the deciding set. So I like that too because you get you know you get the scores of you know, um, 10-8 in the fifth or, you know, 20-18 in the fifth. Wimbledon are the only tournament that sort of still have that, but 12-all is a tie break. So I like that they're sticking with that scoring system because I love that. I grew up watching that scoring system. So again, that's why the matches are so long there as well. Uh, Wimbledon. So I've been to Wimbledon one time uh, in 2015, and it's got to be the tradition. I mean, the tradition of Wimbledon, you go there, you walk through the gates. It's just ridiculous. It's unlike any other tournament. You just have that... It's just a weird feeling of you know how much history. I mean, tennis is the the biggest. Uh, sorry, um, Wimbledon is the biggest tournament in tennis. So I would have to say it's got to be the tradition. Of course, tradition can ruin things at times, but I think Wimbledon stick to it and is really really good. And then the U.S. Open, which I'm really I'm really keen to go because I've heard so many good things. It's got to be the crowd and the atmosphere because I've heard from a lot of uh, podcasts that I've listened to with former players that the U.S. Open, if you're not American, it's a tough place to play, and uh, it's the crowd allowed. It's you know people walking around between points, which usually in most tournaments is not allowed. It's very, it's just very loud, and there's a massive atmosphere there. So I'd love to be a part of that. Uh, so eventually I will go there. But um, yeah, it's it's the atmosphere and the crowd. Even looking on TV. I mean, you're listening to it. It just sounds different. The crowd noise is way louder, so they've had to adjust the microphones. So just watching and listening to the, the U.S. Open coverage is just so uh, you know so different. Um, unfortunately, we don't have that this year because no crowds. But you know, on a normal year, that crowd atmosphere is just so huge, especially when Americans are playing. I mean, it's got to be you know deafening that crowd noise when there's an American like Serena playing, for example. So uh, that's what I love the most about um, the U.S. Open. So hopefully that answers your questions. If you do have a question, make sure you write them down in the comments for next week. We answer as many as we can uh, each week. And also, if I've forgotten anything during the week, let us know as well because there are um, obviously two tournaments coming up this week. We've got tournaments happening in the next few weeks. The ATP is supposed to be starting in a couple weeks' time. Fingers crossed. We've got Cincinnati, of course, and the U.S. Open. So uh, fingers crossed they go ahead. But let us know. Is there anything we missed this week in the comments down below? Uh, Don't forget to like the video as well. Subscribe if you haven't already. And I will see you all next week.